From the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. I'm MJ. And this is Mark. I know it's Perry didn't sing. He's getting all Well, I clapped in my ear and it made a ringing sound. Wow. Well, actually, this so is weird because we don't have our headphones on. That too. That's I mean, no, true. Because I need my headphone it on. My you ears. can put it on. You can wear it. I'm going to put mine on too, actually. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Makes it makes kind of It does. Okay. It does. Sorry. It just feels more no, it's natural not sorry. now. <laughs> Doesn't it feel natural? I know, but now our in-studio guests feel okay, like they're I'll like not dressed for the prom. I'm going to do it because I'm being a diva today. Is there a day when you're not being a diva? <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> so, uh, speaking never, of divas, never happened. What's going on in the tiny house world with Michelle? You were on you were on a local radio station recently. Yeah, I had a two hour show this past Saturday. That was super fun. Um, I have to say, being on the podcast made that pretty comfortable. The timing, of course, is is a lot different on live radio. And uh, Mark had already warned me pre, you know, ahead of time, try not to cuss. And I, I accomplished that task. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would hope so. So, uh, yeah, we're pretty happy about that. Nice. Um, it was fun. It was a two-hour stint. About? It was about um, the Street of Dreams tiny house. So the local cat is officially out of the bag now. We got a chance not just to talk about that one, but tiny houses in general. Two hours. Yeah. Oof. Two hours. Did they have call-ins? Yes, they had call-ins. Interestingly enough, I don't know if I should be embarrassed or not, um, nobody called in. Nobody called in at all? No, but... Did you take a breath? (laughs) 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 But they did get some questions on Facebook and email, so people were being way more passive about their questions. Interesting. So we did have a chance to answer a couple of questions, but no one really called in. The host, um, he said, actually, that's very common... During the summer when the weather's really nice, oh, like yeah. the show is generally kind of a in your headphones while you're mowing the lawn or you know on the boat or doing other things. But, 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 but our last show just had three call-ins. <laughs> I just like to say we're just gonna say yeah. yeah. Sorry, radio. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it was really different. Um, and uh, so that was that. And then just a couple of days ago, um, I was also. The uh, local radio or local news channel came out and did uh, a feature about me, so that was fun. That was fun, but at the same time, they literally called and they're like, "We pitched this idea for the five o'clock news, and we're on our way, and we hope you're okay with it, and we'll be there in ten minutes." And I'm like, "Okay." So it it turned what was supposed to be a pretty easy day for me into a really really crazy day. So they we filmed. Um, out in Gresham, which is you know forty miles east, then we drove all the way out to Sherwood, which is you know fifty miles west, and then they went to Hillsboro. So it was crazy. It was fun. Um, yeah, it How's was fun. How's the build coming? Uh, almost done. Almost done. We're literally on the final. We measured for countertops, and we get countertops in, and final plumbing, and we're done. We've only had one. What I would consider to be major hiccup. And I have to say, it ended up being a lot more minor than it could have been. Um, someone put a nail through one of the electrical lines. So, Unintentionally. Right. Yeah. But that kind of stuff happens, and yeah. you hope that it's recoverable. Yeah. 
So unfortunately, we lost the functionality of a three-way switch, um, but that's it. So again, luckily, like the kitchen light still works and the bathroom fan. Hmm. So it was minor in the big scheme of things, but I was afraid that would happen and it did. And so mm. I, I'm not sure how to respond to that. But We're kind but, of talking about the past, aren't we? Because this show's going to come out you know, way after. The, we gave up an evergreen months ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah, true, true, true. But <clears throat> on the other hand, um, note to self, that's an issue. When you put this, when you do the inside envelope first, as in electrical and plumbing and insulation, and then you put the siding mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. I was nervous the whole time, mm-hmm. hoping that it wouldn't happen. And what do you know it did? But just once. But just once on one wire, on one wall. And we could have fixed it by tearing the entire wall apart. I bet that would have been costly. <laughs> I think. Well, at I'm, least the bathroom is, fan kept working. Well, I'm trying to make a transition here. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get did that get transition. That? I did. Okay. Really? Okay. Yeah, we were, we were doing the like eyeball to eyeball thing. Okay. I knew this was the. Then like, that must have been costly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, actually, it would have been. Well, it's certainly something that a, a newbie would not want to, an, a mistake that a newbie would make, not saying that you're a newbie, but something that s- certainly would be helpful to avoid because it could add to the budget of the build of a tiny house. Very easily, very quickly, and very dramatically. Yes, and we have some guests here today who are uh, giving workshops about just that thing, I believe, right? Yes. Do you want to introduce this? Did someone lose the script? What's happening here? <laughs> no. I don't get it. Well, we're doing some, some liberal communication. <laughs> She's wanting me to butcher their name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm trying well, to yeah, pass you it to her. So, it. No. so I won't butcher their yeah. name. I don't have the cue so card. It's, Sorry. It's so funny because we're both looking at each other and we're communicating pass without using words. It's pass funny. That's, that's what happens when you do a show for, what, two going <laughs> two on two years. years. Three, three years. Are you three years? Yeah. It's crazy. So we have in the studio, and I'm not even going to look at the notes. Good. Uh-oh. I know Stephen is. It's really I don't have any really. notes, so it's Stephen and. Don't say it. I'm not looking at the notes. It ends with a he. E. Sarai. 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 And Stephen. It's all right. Welcome to the show, you guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. They um, they uh have a website called a living in L. Living Tiny in LA. Beautiful yeah. website, actually. And uh, thank you. Some of it is under development. It seems like they're, this is a new thing for you guys. Yes, things the, are definitely moving faster than we can keep up with. Yeah. <laughs> the, the business side or the living in the tiny house side? Not the living in a tiny house side. Right? No, the business side. The of business it. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so welcome to the show. Thank you. You guys almost butted heads there. They're sharing a mic. <laughs> They're sharing a mic. Hey, this will be fun. When So we've been married now going on... Ever? 10 years? 13? 13. 13. Wow. 13 years. But I also butchered her name when oh, we you first do? met. Oh, so. good. And hey. I, yeah, and I never got uh, called on when I was raising my hand in school because the teachers would never be able to pronounce my yeah. name. You know, Sarai, you said it beautifully, Sarai, though. So thank Sarai. you. Oh. It's better. I, I first said it. Sarahi. It lo- Sarahi. Well, it looks like that. It looks Sarahi. like that. In I thought that was all Roman. sexy. Sarahi. I was, like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was being really cool when I first when we first started talking, and she quickly corrected me. Well, I'm like, don't you speak Spanish? You say it in Spanish. You yeah, told yeah. me you're Colombian. You say you don't speak Spanish. Actually, that's true, right? When you look at it in Spanish, it, yes. it's the yeah, yeah. That's so funny. So when you guys have a kid, it's gonna be Bob. Exactly. <laughs> Bob. They said it'll be pronounced Paul, Bob. Bob, Bob, Paul, Joe, and John. 
So, uh, so you guys have been married for quite a while. How did you end up in a tiny house? Well, it definitely started with being tired of the corporate race, of the what rat race. I've, uh, I've been in accounting and finance for the last 17 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, through the process of the company getting acquired, I got laid off. Mm-hmm. And we decided to take six months off. Um, and six months turned into a year. And we started getting more and more used to the new purpose lifestyle that we had. Um, we have a son. And that one year turned into two years and we were running out of money Mm -hmm. and it was a situation where we wanted to continue keeping up with the lifestyle that we had at that point in time. So in trying to figure out how we would be able to maintain that, uh, we looked at all the various options and the tiny house option first came up at that point in time with my wife bringing it up. What were the other options you looked at though? Definitely downsizing. Okay. So we had a house at the time. We big mortgage, a lot of money going into house maintenance, um, and then obviously trying to do it with one income mm-hmm. uh, made it a little bit more difficult. So we definitely looked into selling the house and downsizing. Uh, but as we, me being with the finance background, as I started doing the comparison of all the uh, of all the numbers and doing so, it you know. The tiny house, when once that I proposed and brought up the tiny house idea and I started looking into it and I started doing the numbers, it was like a huge wow. It was like, wow. And so then at that point, it was like, can we really do this? Can, can we downsize from, you know, over 2,000 square foot home into a tiny home? Mm-hmm. And that just got the whole ball rolling. Well, I have to I have to appreciate the perspective you were coming from. So, across the country, everybody has a different perspective about what constitutes expensive housing yeah. or inexpensive housing. And yeah. out of all the areas in the country, yeah. in LA, you pay a lot of money for cheap housing. So, so your aha moment really was probably even more striking than average because the housing issue and the housing cost down there. So, I can only imagine you like redoing the numbers on like really is that actually like <laughs> We could save that much money per year. That's crazy. So, so no, definitely. So, how did you how did you come across tiny houses? And then, what did your husband say when you first introduced the idea? Well, it was really downsizing years back, maybe three four years ago. I did a I won't buy anything new for a year just to save money, just to downsize the closet, and then that turned into okay, another year and um, figuring out ways to. Uh, influence him and attract him to the idea. So you knew at that time that you were going in that direction mentally? No, no, no. no? I just okay. wanted to get rid of things. Okay. Um, there's, He's a bit of a, Stephen's a big of a pack rat. And so he'd keep everything. I'm serious. Why? So, was, yes, sorry, was. I mean, he'd have his, he still had letters from uh, high school girlfriends Aww. and he'd had receipts Aww. from prom and Aww. just, he kept everything. And so I was trying to encourage him. And so I would show him, look, these people are living in tiny homes if they can do it why can't we just get rid of stuff i'm not saying we have to live in it but you know here's some motivation for you and that's really how it started um but it wasn't uh, the him 
you know, being out of work for that time. He says, oh, we decided to take some time off. He took the time off. I was still working. <laughs> so I was gonna say, I'm still trying to figure out how to do he this. He said there was one income there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Someone's so still was, going to work. I was still working. I was really also wanting to figure out how we can both be at home with our son more. Um, but it was difficult to just leave the corporate what life like doing? that. Um, marketing and entertainment, mainly events. So okay. I worked for NBC for a long time. Oh. That's where most of my career was. And I traveled a Lot. Okay. And I was trying to figure out how I, how I could stay home more. Um, and so all of this had a big influence, but really the biggest influence for me in deciding, hey, let's do this and really pulling the tiny house idea was the death of my best friend. Uh, she was diagnosed with leukemia and died six months after her diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And during that time was really when we realized, well, what's important? You know, uh, let's, yeah. it, what's important <clears throat> is to be together. What's important yeah. is family, friends, yeah. Yeah. you know, moments, not really our thing. So yeah. that was what really helped us make that decision. Mm-hmm. So all this happened sort of around the same time. And that's when, hey, remember that tiny house idea? Um, and that's when the numbers really came up and um, Michelle, as you mentioned, uh, yes, yeah, seeing that we we could drastically decrease our expenses because at this point there was no let's go make more money. The yeah. point was to work less, and so here we are. <laughs> so where in the so how long ago was that? So Liz, Liz passed away last January. Oh, re- like this past a year, two thousand seventeen, two thousand seventeen, and she passed away on my birthday. Oh, oh happy birthday. So that was, I think that was one of those things that happened where, hey, wake up. Yeah, um, yeah. perfect timing, kind of. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we had already put in a lot of the, the motion yeah. in place, but we hadn't decided to you know, build a tiny house. You know, we were looking into you know, still weighing out the options in terms of do we build it, do we buy it? Let's compare to maybe going and downsizing really, really small and then keeping that. Because obviously the the you know, even rental costs in, in LA is very, very expensive. Right, well, yeah. Well, by then we had, we decided to sell our house in uh, October of 2016. And in December we sold it. And then January 2017 was when Liz passed. Got it. And so that's where from there it went really, really quick. Got so it. that we actually decided right as she passed that we were going to build the tiny house so I didn't get a chance to actually tell her I got a chance to tell her we sold everything we're going to figure something different but I didn't get a chance to actually tell her we're building it and by March the end of March of 2017 we started building our house which is when we met yeah shortly after that is when we first met uh, Michelle at a an event in LA which was The time of it was also very weird because in LA, you know, last year, not a lot of people, you know, the movement hadn't really set in. Mm. And all of a sudden they just came in, uh, the the Deakson Brothers, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, to the CAFAM Museum. That was an event we did in February 2017. Yeah, the CAFAM. Yeah, and Michelle was super knowledgeable. And I think she I still is. Yes, <laughs> more so is. now. It's a year later. <laughs> Every damn day. But I, haven't seen, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> you know, it was funny because I, you know, me being very new and not knowing anything about tiny houses per se um, or building one. Yeah. And Michelle was just answering a whole bunch of questions, and I literally just stuck to her. Like, I followed her through almost every single activity she had because she was jumping through different, you know, she was doing different talks and it it was a a build workshop. So there was talks about building and then she was talking about 
sponsorships, and she was talking about compost toilets, and she was talking about so everything. He remembers. Yeah. I think I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I do, <laughs> and that really. For me, me being a numbers guy, me being a guy that likes to compare everything, I've gained a lot of uh, serenity knowing that this was something that you know I can do. Mostly coming from a background that I've never built anything. I, I don't have construction experience, and it gave me the uh, the strength to let's say, hey, let's do this. And shortly thereafter, we just let's say, boom, we started building by the end of March. Uh, we ended up moving into our home on August fifth. So wow, was, you went fast. We went crazy fast. We were we worked on our house six days a week. You had a lot of help. No, really? <laughs> yeah, we had we we had my a lot dad of focus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we had we had my dad who has some <clears throat> handyman experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's kind of ja- uh, jack of all trades, and we flew him in. And he and I started working on it together. So it was a two-man crew until my wife was able to take some time off of work and then her coming. So it became a three-man crew for a period of time. And then it was a it was difficult because building a tiny home is very difficult. Yeah. It's not for the faint of heart. Uh, and we got to a point where we were really, really tired. And we brought in some help to just kind of help us do the finishing touches on it. Interesting. Because it looks like from the pictures on your website, it looks like a pretty good job. Like everything. Thank you. Looks, Thank you. We think so. All the lines look parallel. <laughs> where they should be parallel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We like to call it the big casita because yeah. it's it's on the bigger side of tiny homes. Mm-hmm. So you know we're on a thirty-six foot by ten foot trailer, mm-hmm. and it's it's about three hundred and forty square feet. And then if you tack on the lofts, you know you've got usable square feet of maybe four hundred and fifty square feet. Mm. So you get kicked out of the tiny house club at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Once you exceed four hundred, you realize I just wanted to remind you. <laughs> yes, we've been told. <laughs> oh, we're from LA and we do things a little different. <laughs> well, and and the, the the white elephant question for me is where do you put a tiny house in LA that's that's legal and you know that fits in and the neighbors aren't pissed off at you. Where we you? get that question a lot. Yeah. And we've been very fortunate in the sense that um, we we have our tiny house in a very nice affluent suburban neighborhood. Uh, we're on a cul-de-sac and it's it's really really nice. And I found that thinking outside the box. So well, are you in are you in someone's backyard? So we yeah, I mean kind of. So we have <laughs> We have Does the, it say like tool shed? No. <laughs> <laughs> so the the owners of the property have three parcels of land. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they moved into their house, they bought the parcel of land to the right and to the left because they wanted to have privacy. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and we don't want neighbors. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. a tiny house, but that's cute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they. So the way I found them was they wanted to make some money out of one of the lands that they had, so they were renting it out uh, as an RV space. Uh, mm, an to RV. park an RV, like, so somebody yeah. could come in and park either an RV or a car in that space. One RV one, or one car. Exactly. Correct. So they were just thinking somebody's going to leave it there, basically. Okay, exactly. Yeah, uh, they can't see us yeah. coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People say that a lot about about me too. They do. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. You know, they say, "What was that?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what just happened? What just happened? Not. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So we tell a lot of people that you know when. You know, obviously today with the way the legalities are today, uh, in looking for a space, it's difficult when you go knocking on the door and say, "Hey, can I have a tiny house? Can I park it in your space?" 
you know, and mostly in LA, you get no's. Well, is it legal to do that? So right now in LA, yeah, it's not legal. Yes, it's not. Yes, yes no. Not. I think that's the Spanish way of answering. <laughs> is yes, it? No question. Yes. It? Yes. Yes, no, it's not. Yes, and we do a lot of no. Like we ask yeah. after we ask something no. <laughs> yeah, my roommate in college would be like, I don't understand this no. What do you mean, yes or no? Yeah. But uh, but as he mentioned, thinking a little bit outside the box and, and in LA, um, the way that we actually ended up communicating with this family was that his family was actually looking for an RV uh, parking spot. They were moving across the country for six months and ask Stephen, who is great at hacking prices with anything, mm. say, hey, can you find me a cheaper option? Mm. And so he did. And that's when he found this space through like Facebook market place oh, the family yeah. posted it and so he reached out to them said my family's interested in renting the spot met with the family um, his family ended up renting the spot and then we see oh you have more space uh, you know because they, they, it, it is a good maybe what 8,000 square feet 10,000 so? square, 10, yeah. square foot lot and so we um, he Stephen ended up saying hey well we're interested in building a tiny house would you consider mm. us living here <laughs> and uh, at first they were hesitant um, but as they got to know us and see that you know we're a family it's us our son our dog and saw that potential of instead of making 60 70 80 dollars yeah. a month they could potentially make hundreds more right. yeah. that's when they were open to the idea and it took a month or two of talking and negotiating before they said yes so i'm assuming the other neighbors no, you guys were there. <clears throat> Did you meet with them ahead of time, or was it kind of an ask forgiveness if something happened? Well, for or? us, there's more ask, you know, forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they did. Uh, so the way that the cul de sac is, there's only one house that directly would see the mm. tiny house. And so he, uh, the um, owner, did go to that neighbor and said, "I'm thinking about doing this. Do you, would that be a problem for you? You're the only one really facing this space." And the neighbor said, "I, I don't have a problem with it." And that neighbor is far back up a hill, Dream. so. Um, yeah, they, they nice. didn't have a problem. And since we've been there, we've had neighbors approach us, uh, curious, you know, just curious about it. Some have asked if they can come in, but nobody has given us any problems. And Good. we also try to keep everything nice and neat and yeah. clean and our dog on a leash. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And that's really, really, the, I mean, the advice for everybody that wants to park their tiny house, especially in a suburban environment, is make friends and keep yeah. your keep your neighbors, you know, happy. Yeah. And just be good people. Be good people, I mean, yeah. yeah. Did you build it there? So, no, we built it in Lancaster, California. And we that's where the shop that we found. How uh, many miles we, from where you live is so that? So that that's maybe about an hour. Maybe oh, about quite an hour a drive. Mm. Quite a ways. Okay. Wow. So where did your how did your new location affect your like your commute and like how as a relationship were you further out? Were you closer in? Well, that's the great part about going tiny that it's allowed us to essentially completely transition ourselves out of the corporate. Um, grind, grind. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife now essentially works more as a consultant, doing uh, freelance, still marketing event. and events oh, okay. Um, okay. for the entertainment industry, oh, okay. but more on freelance or mm -hmm. per project type of work. Nice. Mm -hmm. And we were able to downsize our expenses by a little over seventy percent wow. from what we had before. But but you're, so so put that in perspective though. What were your expense? Were your expenses pretty high? So it was. So right now, the way it is, uh, we we have a budget of maybe about $50,000 annually to be able to maintain the type of lifestyle that we have. 
That's including vacations. That's including wow. you know just the, you know all in. Mm-hmm. Um, we pay nine hundred dollars a month uh, for our space, and that includes all utilities. Mm-hmm. And to put that into perspective, a one bedroom small apartment right now in LA is going for maybe about nineteen hundred dollars. Wow, um, that's yeah. good. And- you want to talk about the numbers before? Like what? Yeah, what were the numbers? Yeah, Thank so you. the numbers before. So we were looking... Bigger. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, 70% bigger. Yeah. So yeah. In, in terms of household yeah, expenses, yeah. we were about $4,000 a month. Okay. It, you know, we were looking. We were looking at a mortgage of about twenty nine hundred dollars, and then you tack on utilities and the gardening. We had a pool, so you tack uh, on okay, cleaning yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and lowering that to nine hundred dollars. So we spent. We were about $36,000 a year, and now we are at roughly $11,000 per year. Wow. In household expenses only. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, great. Great. And that led to getting rid of almost 80% of our belongings in doing that transition. So, you know, that in itself has... So as the person that was sort of a drug into this minimalism kind of thing, any... (laughs) By who? She tried to convince him oh, to get him. rid of oh, all his stuff. I thought you were talking about stuff. yourself. Sorry. No, no, no. I thought you were talking about yourself. <laughs> she was trying to convince him to get yeah. rid of all this stuff. So the question is, as someone that was semi-drug into this adventure, um, any regrets or anything that you go to look for? You're like, oh, man. Um, what, what, do you, what do you miss? I don't miss, I don't miss anything out of my, our past life and our past things. I mean, I think... It's been a difficult transition, I'm not going to lie. I, I was very attached to things. I grew up incredibly poor. Mm. And as I grew up in, you know, taking, taking advantage of the, of the um, opportunities that this country have uh, and going to school and, you know, start working up the corporate ladder and making more money, I started buying more and more and more things. Uh, we had uh, two and a half... Because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Yes, because that's what you do. That's the great American dream. Mm-hmm. That equals success, particularly for immigrants. You know, our yeah. families are still having a bit of a hard time, at least some of uh, my family, of, wait, you're going backwards, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. you're supposed to be moving up and yeah. going forwards and bigger house and yeah. nicer things. Yeah. So, and, and being attached to so much and... Getting, get, having that transition of letting go because I think that was probably the most difficult part of, mm-hmm. of having things that, that in my case I've put in my heart, earned time, work, and money into getting all these things that I, that I thought that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a, the biggest change that has happened for me has been the relationship with my wife and my son. And uh, the change has been... And the change has been incredibly positive right. in that I get to have quality time with right. my son. And I've our relationship has completely increased during that period of time. So as that went on, as that relationship went on, as other opportunities started happening uh, in terms of leaving the corporate world, that in conjunction with letting go of things, it started making it easier for me because mm-hmm. I started seeing more of a, of a, a positive link to getting rid of things. Can I ask you you two a question as a couple, uh, a, a male and female couple? Is it is it was it easier for you, um, Sarahi, to see the value of what Stephen is now talking about than it was for Stephen to see the value of? Because I wonder sometimes if men, myself included, have a hard time seeing the value of family when we're so it seems, in my perspective anyway, attached to things and 
pastimes and things like that. So, so were you more easily perceiving the value of the time you could have together than he was? Uh, yes, but I wouldn't say it was because of our gender, being a okay. mom or dad, male, female. Mm-hmm. I really think it was more of our characters and personalities um, and how it came about me wanting... For instance, Stephen was always big on tomorrow I'll be happy. Tomorrow yeah. when I get this, I'll yeah. be this means success. It was a lot about tomorrow and I was always more just naturally wanting to enjoy today. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't necessarily think that was male female type. Where did of that come dynamic. from? Where did the two perspectives come from? Well, for me it was definitely the way that I was raised, per se. You know, growing up very poor and then kind of being exposed to the things that I was exposed to. You know, I put a lot of value into money. And well, I'll, sorry, I, I'm gonna, I want to interrupt because the, the, this is an interesting conversation. Some people who grow, or grow, who grow up poor have Sarai's perspective that now is the only thing that matters and it's wonderful to be happy without those things. How, what happened in your life that had you orient towards the happiness being more and more? more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good question. <laughs> Well, to to ex- to extend or expand on his his first question about the gender differences, um, what I've heard from other um, males in the tiny house industry is that the pressure to be a provider and the pressure to prove to your family or to your peers that you have reached that level of success. <clears throat> so even if it wasn't necessarily gender based or gender biased, uh, maybe your perspectives, did you feel any obligation to prove yourself to other people, either peers or parents or, or um, you know, other siblings or something like that? Stephen? Yeah, I, I mean, there was part of that. I mean, I think I, I grew up in Burbank, California, mm-hmm. which is nicer area. It wasn't considered, I guess, the ghetto. Mm-hmm. So it went to a decent went to decent schools. So in seeing the other kids and seeing the materialistic things that they had, maybe that was one of the exposures I that I had in mm-hmm. in maybe wanting to get nicer things mm-hmm. when I when I didn't have them. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that time we lived in a little um, garage. We had there was a little converted garage in back of a house, mm-hmm. super super tiny, and it was my parents and myself. And I think seeing that and then having the friends, I think that was the, probably the first exposure to the monetary value of things or mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where initially I got the whole thing where if I want to get out of where I'm at, I need to start making more money and I need to start bringing in more things. Mm-hmm. I see. It's, it's the, other, the other question I want to ask relative to this is the minority situation. So, you know, I don't know if you know that Steve Harvey... That was, no, that's yes. Steve Harvey made a remark about tiny houses and, and argued that especially black people should not be going for tiny houses when the whole world is your oyster and you can have you know, these larger things. And I think there's a lot of pressure, like you guys were saying, uh, from, the, from the black community and, and I presume mm-hmm. your communities too, that these material possessions are the way to go because they equal a comeuppance or an arrival of something or another. But now it seems, it's funny how the minority groups kind of lag the dominant culture in the sense that the dominant culture now seems to be going back towards simplicity and still the minority groups are still trying to go up towards complexity and, and the amassing of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you can you talk a little bit about the the difficulty that you had with your I mean, you talked, you touched a little bit about it on it, but 
How, was it the finances that basically, the financial wins that basically convinced you that screw my, not screw your parents, <laughs> but forget forget what my, my family is saying, I'm going this way because it's just making economic sense or was yeah, there more to that? I think definitely the <clears throat> economics, but I, that's where losing our friend really came to play mm-hmm. because as we were struggling with this decision and thinking, you know, I'm not just, I'm also losing status in a way is how I initially thought if we go this route, if we sell oh. this big, beautiful home, you know, we're going to lose this status. I'm going to, um, people will see me different. And it was really seeing my friend go through the last six months of her life that made me think I'm just screw everything. I don't care what's important is what we believe is important and it's being together and with a family and you know that kind of simplicity. But it is difficult and still in a sense when I see my mom come into our house and she says, yeah, I'm proud of you because this is what you wanted to do and you set yourself off to do it, but this isn't for me. Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is a box or it's mm-hmm. too small. Or, oh, sometimes I, she'll say, oh, why did you sell that big, beautiful house, you know, that you had? And What she, does she live in? She lives in a regular Townhome, oh. oh, okay. you know, size home. She though is a real estate agent, and she helped us buy that home. So that was oh. really very dear and close oh. to her too. And yeah. saw us remodel it, and seeing you know her oldest daughter just you know go so many. She says you went to school for so many years, and you know you're kind of doing this now. And she's very supportive, and I love her to death. But she, uh, I can tell that for her, it was hard, and yeah. it still is hard to see that. It's so funny because you know I have a few friends that have like I don't know twelve to fifteen thousand square foot homes, and I walk in and go, "Wow, this is cool, man! It's not for me." Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just it's kind of the same size, yes. the two different things, mm-hmm. and and living mindfully in a small home, you know, that doesn't mean you guys aren't stuffing away a boatload of money. Then that's a pretty cool thing too to secure your future. So wealth has nothing to do with your shit. And all the stuff you yeah. collect, or other than your girlfriend's letters, so you probably still got those. <laughs> 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 um, got rid of those. <laughs> so he says. Yeah, that's called digitized. But anyway, <laughs> um, so and uh, people just are at different stages in their life. They can understand that, whether it's parents or parents yeah. or siblings or whatever else. Too, it's like people see something that's so outside of their mindset for how they can live mm-hmm. and, and want to approve it or disapprove of it or whatever. It's just like, if you guys are happy and raising a wonderful kid, then more power to you. Yes. Even my children, it's really surprising at how <clears throat> materialistic they are actually still. And they're they're very um, unapologetic about how materialistic they are. They're like, mom, you had your stuff, you had your house, you had the opportunity to make that choice. Sorry, I have a cold, I have a cold or something. Um, but now I'm like, really? You need the next version of the next game? They've got every system. They want the newest phone. They want, you know, so in some regards, it's, it's uh, it might be a generational thing as well. Or just a... a- uh, wisdom with age thing, yeah, and you and it seems like so you can't because I was having this kind of same kind of issue on a different topic, but similar uh, with my stepdaughter. You, I don't think you can get a, a younger person to skip the por- part that you went through that has you where you are today. They have to go through their own version of it and get there on their own. And so it's it's just interesting, and especially from the minority perspective, I I, I I'm interested in this because the. There is, I know, in the, I don't know your culture, but I know in, in my in the black culture, there's still this attachment to big everything, and 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 the happiness isn't there. I mean, it is for a while, but 
it's transitory. Yeah, after you a while, you get the thing, you then you want it, the next the thing, thing, then you want the you next get it, thing, and then you're done with it. And you're assuming that's where the happiness lies, which is kind of what you were talking about. It's like, well, I'll get that tomorrow, and once you get there, it's like, yeah, but now I need this. I need this extra two foot in my boat, or whatever exactly, it is. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's like you better be happy now. <laughs> I think that what helped me was actually seeing my mom work so hard and always say. I'm working so hard. I can't be with you. I wish I could just stay mm-hmm. home and take care of you and yeah. be the one that's there picking you up from school yeah. and sharing in these, you know, day to day activities. And she always worked. And so I thought, well, if I can figure out a way to still have a good life, but be able to be there with my child, why not? You yeah. know, and it was really her influence of always struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That helped. Hey. And to give you a little bit of background on on our friend that passed away, she's mother of three. She was a mother of three, early 30s, very successful business. She had a very, very successful business, made really, really good money, lived very, very well. Was she single? She was married. She was actually going through a divorce while she got sick. Got it. And... Seeing that, it's it's very impactful when you see somebody that's worked so hard, has beautiful kids, uh, you know, what you think it's monetary value in her lifestyle. And when she was on her deathbed, wanting to exactly, essentially not giving value to that. Her, the, the important things that she wanted to do was spend time with her family, yeah. was see her kids more. And that was very impactful for us and in the path that we were going for because of the, you know, just in general, the, the lifestyle that many people have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she before she we all realized that you know she wasn't going to make it. Um, there was still a lot of hope. Uh, you know, she get a donor if it sticks. Like you know, she can still get out of this and have a decently healthy life. And all she kept thinking was about everything she was going to change. And it didn't mm-hmm. include more stuff and mm-hmm. more things. Mm-hmm. It included a changing career that mm-hmm. would allow her to actually feel uh, that she there was a purpose to what mm-hmm. she was doing. Mm-hmm. That she would be able to spend more time with her kids that you know that big beautiful house who cares she said i'll go rent a room somewhere if i can then do this and that's what she talked about and that really stuck yeah and in looking at it from the tiny house you know a lot of people that that want to make this transition they they focus on hey can we live in such a small space when when in reality it's not about living in such a small space the tiny house is really a tool you know it's it's your home but it also becomes a tool to be able to appreciate so many other things. I mean, in the last six, so my wife and I made very, very good money, but we never took any vacations <laughs> whatsoever. And it was one of those things that, you know, we were, it was one thing after another. In the last six months, we've traveled more than we've ever traveled in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's been very impactful. Our, our life has completely turned. We've, you know, we're starting. Oh, you keep on talking. That was a sad thing <laughs> for me. You know, she did tell me that. Yeah, he, did. It's okay. <laughs> he doesn't listen. Here is the proof. I have proof. <laughs> no, but we've we've changed our whole life. It's you know the whole thing with living tiny and lit and the new opportunities that we've seen and doing more purposeful work, concentrating on on projects that that we care about, which is. You know why we're essentially building living tiny in LA and the things that we're coming after. You know that has been, you know, in the last year, it has transformed everything that prior to that we were concentrating on, yeah. and that's been definitely very. Um, it, it's incredibly positive for us, and I, 
you know, I tell my friends and the way I talk to... Humbling. Humbling. Yes. Yeah. Very humbling experience. And, and obviously talking to a lot of the people that, that we surround each other with and then them seeing the transition that we've made in our life. And then the funny thing is with the tiny house community, you know, most of the people that are in the tiny house movement and tiny house community, they found that. They found that purposeful living, purposeful projects that they can go by yeah. and they're living very, very, very purposeful lives. Yeah. So the reason why I raised my hand is because <clears throat> the concept of using a tiny house as a tool is also part of that mindset shift, um, which I yeah. think is also the reason why when people sell their tiny houses, um, people are like, oh my God, they're like leaving the movement behind. Oh, right. It's because we don't see them, quote unquote, that way. We um, somehow it's like this, you know, exclusive membership to a club, and then you sell your tiny house and you get kicked out of the club. But so use having a tiny house as a tool to further advance everything else in your life is part of that mindset yeah. um, that it is not quote unquote just a building or not just a house. I tell people I've had the best conversations of my life in that space you know it invokes conversation and vulnerability and introspection and um again it's it's you don't spend all your time in the house you spend way more time out of the house yeah. so I, i've got a, a question to kind of go back i wanted michelle to, to make her comment but you had said something sarai just a minute ago actually you had a thought and then you said humbling so can you can you access that thought that you had? Maybe it was an experience or something that had you feel humbled as a result of being in this? Um, just in general, really, is having less things, you know, not being in this big corporate job uh, and being happier. You know, that is, is humbling. Seeing my son uh, light up, his face light up because I'm able to pick him up from school almost mm -hmm. every day or drop him off and... You know, to think that before I felt, oh, um, you know, I, I, I ended up going and getting an MBA and a master's and, you know, thinking I want to get highly educated and I still value that and think that's very important. But I was putting a lot of emphasis and focus and value of myself into th those degrees and into that job. And to now see that I am so much more confident and stronger and secure of just what I'm doing and who I am in this smaller space with a job that I may not have tomorrow and that is what's humbling you know to, right. to see that uh, that difference and what I thought before was important and was successful is not anymore mm. what are you in Portland for to see me <laughs> <laughs> definitely the number one to see Michelle yes and number two which was also a big um influence in the lifestyle change that we've had, um, we're here for the World Domination Summit. Oh, you are! Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow! Yeah. That's a Portland attraction that was for a sure. Joke. <laughs> that was a joke. They were coming to see me. It was a joke. Wow, nice. <laughs> I nice. just happened to live here. So. <laughs> How did you find out about the Domination Summit? Well, a friend of ours uh, actually gifted us tickets three years ago uh, to it okay. when she was asking us to help her start a nonprofit mm -hmm. centered um, coincidentally around uh, terminally ill patients and so there was a project that she had asked for help and said hey there's this summit that maybe we can get some great ideas from I can't go can you guys go for me yes. and that's how it started and it was really after that first year that we went where we felt okay we need to 
come do, again. Yeah, we need to come again and we need to do something different. And, and a lot of those ideas of, well, how can we figure out a different way of life came about. And obviously the tiny house living and, and simplifying and all that, um, is, it's all related and played a role. Your friend had a, un, you can't even put words around the impact that your friend had on you. Oh, definitely. It's like orders of magnitude of impact. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is where the escaping the conventional comes, yeah. you know, as part of living tiny in LA. Yeah. It's figuring out how to, you know, get off, you know, some of the things that we've been conditioned. I think, yeah. you know, keyword has been conditioned yep. through so many different things, more so in, the, in where we're living now. That conditioning aspect of it is is important. So mm-hmm. being able to do a conference like this and doing the transitions is about escaping the conventional yeah. that many people are in. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's give you some time to talk about the workshops that you do for the community. So talk about those a little bit. Perfect. So we're um, we're doing essentially we're helping people with the financial considerations of going tiny. So you know, I've I've given my background. I've seen an opportunity in that you know to purchase a house or to do anything it costs money. And one of the things that that was big for us is that we ended up saving over fifty thousand dollars on our build. You know, if we would have had a builder build our build, it was going to cost between one ten and one hundred twenty thousand dollars for our particular home. And using various strategies that we did that, I felt, hey, why, you know, how, how come other people can't do the same thing? And, you know, took that opportunity to start creating workshops and being able to teach people how to measure their money and how to uh, learn the various saving strategies to be able to get the house of their dreams, the tiny house of their dreams. And your house, your, by, by the way, the, the tiny house that you built is not chintzy. It's got really nice um, features in it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I think we ended up total was about fifty five thousand mm. uh, to build it. Uh, and one of the op- obvious strategies there in saving money is to build it yourself. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of other um, nice tricks and hacks in saving the material. And that's really where Stephen's strength lies. And not just we found this out while he was building. He's always been uh, that person that everybody would go to and from our friends and family to say, can you help me save on this? Mm-hmm. Can you help me save on that? What's the cheapest place to get this? Mm-hmm. Or how do I uh, more affordably do that? And so that's where it came up. And so he is really in, in this uh, aspect of the workshops, the lead and I just kind of try to make things look pretty and mm-hmm. I'll sit and stand there and try to look pretty <laughs> but it's really Stephen who um, has all that knowledge and has been able to put some amazing uh, budgets together for people specific to a tiny house build um, comparison charts for instance of your trailers to help you better um, ma- manage and maintain that and um, just a big piece of it too is really telling people and encouraging people to figure out their own personal finances there's many tools out there to do that but you know even then people aren't doing it Mm -hmm. and so one big piece is figuring that out in order to then figure out can you build can you buy should you even and all this at the end of the day stems from what do you want and why are you trying to do this people think oh a tiny house that's so cool but really why like do you really want to do this and why and then from there it stems well then how can you do it so I I understand that you you ask people to pay for this workshop but just to kind of like entice people to want to come would you be willing to to share like one nugget from within the workshop that you share with your audiences? Yeah, definitely. So one of the big um, ways that people can save money is it's what's called piggyback um, discounts. So when you're going out and, and you're paying for material, you can. there's various places online where you can buy 
for example, Lowe's, Lowe's gift cards on discounts. So when you go online and you can pay, let's say, 10, 15% off of a particular gift card. And then you utilize that gift card with, let's say, um, rebates, online rebates like Ebates. Mm-hmm. And then that'll give you maybe 2%, 3% off oh. from there. And then let's say you can get a 10% off voucher for Lowe's. Um, you know, if you do the change of address, you know, there's 10% off there. Oh, really? So when you start tacking those things, you're looking at 20, 30% yeah. off a retail price just walking into Lowe's. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I did. I, you know, whenever I walked into Lowe's to buy uh, Lowe's or Home Depot to buy most of my material, I walked in with 40, 50% off sticker prices that wow. were there. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. Especially if you're looking at buying, for instance, an entire lumber package. Well, that's what mm-hmm. I was just right. thinking. Exactly. Buy, once buy you, everything once. Right. right. You're not, yeah. not going to expend that kind of effort on a 2x4 exactly. or, a, right. you know, but a set of kitchen cabinets or all the lumber and ply that you need for the yeah. build. Yeah. Um, that kind of research and that kind of value really, really, really pays off, exact, yeah. you know, in the, in the larger purchases. It's funny. I just asked our pro build lady at the Home Depot desk. Um, she and I are on first term basis and <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I think it, you should have a punch card or like, you know, like <laughs> when do I get my 10% off? <laughs> and uh, she goes, you can't even think about 10% off unless you spend at least, you know, $1,500, you know, purchase. And I'm like, if I'm going to spend $1,500, I want a sponsorship. She goes, well, there yeah. you go. That's why you'll never like <laughs> <laughs> And that's what we're trying to tell people because it's, it's you know, a lot of people think that they have to do all these different things or have a contractor's license and yeah. things like that. And and no, there's it's it, it's open game for the general public. And I think if, if people just learn those various strategies, uh, you know, buying things on discount, you know, you know going to a... a uh, a contractor and buying excess materials that they have that they're getting rid of at 80%. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these re- these things add up when you're looking at 10, 15, 20, 30,000 dollars and you're taking 30% off of that. Yeah, it does. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Stephen and Sarahi, for being with us today. This was a really good conversation. We got into some deep shit, which is good, <laughs> some good emotional stuff. And uh, Tiny House listeners, thank you so much for listening to another one of our fabulous episodes with our fabulous guest. And uh, Michelle, thank you for putting me on the spot this morning for getting that name right <laughs> or not right or whatever I did. I don't even remember. The show's been so good. And uh, Rick McNerney, thank you so much for making us sound so great. And I promise I won't eat or drink in the studio anymore except this one last time just for you. One last kombucha. <laughs> oh, nice. That's a bomb, people. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Namaste. Be good to each other. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if you remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>